Good evening. 9.30. So, earlier I was talking about emotions and feelings. And it's important to let them all out because, again, it's a sign of strength. And if somebody tells you otherwise, then they really don't know what they're talking about. And they're the ones that are holding off, showing those emotions. And again, there is no shame. I think that in our lifetime, whatever tragedy, crisis, illness, or if it's something beautiful, amazing, good, whatever, everybody shows some type of emotion to something. In my lifetime, though, I've showed more sadness than happiness. I've never had an ounce of happiness in my life. I've dealt with grief. I've dealt with loneliness. I've dealt with depression. I've dealt with betrayal. I've dealt with backstabbing. Now I'm talking about friends. So the other, actually today I was talking with one of my LinkedIn connections and he said, I find that hard to believe that you don't have any friends in this world. I said, I don't. If I had friends, would I be sitting here talking with you? And I said, when I, when I get to doing that audio book, you will cry at some of the some of the things I have that I'm going to reveal to the world because some of it is sadness um, and some of it is depression. But I got through it. I was my own best friend. Now he says, I don't want to hear you say that. And I said, but why? It's not a bad thing. Yes, it is. When you say you're your own best friend, that's like saying you have no friends in the world. That's what I'm saying. I have no friends. I tried in the past to be friends with people and I had maybe a few close friends but they turned out to be people that hurt me, betrayed me, backstabbed me. They were toxic and I walked away from them. With the time that they were going through a crisis. When you go through a crisis, you would think, you would think that your friends would be there for you in your time of crisis, but it wasn't the case. See, now, they would come to me for advice for whatever reason, because they said, oh, you have a wealth of knowledge and wisdom, and, you know, maybe one day you can be a therapist. I'm like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to sit there and listen to people's problems all day long. You know, I can give advice here and there, but to listen full on, no. Um, because what happens if you give the person the wrong advice and then you don't solve their problem, they come back at you? No, I don't want that on my conscience. I, the, the reason why I, people came to me for advice on certain, certain emotions and feelings is what I went through. I went through a series of different things in my early 20s up until now. And I really believe that people can learn a lot from a person who's gone through that. In other words, again, when I do this audiobook, which I'm trying to put together, I know exactly what I want to say in my head. I just can't put it down on paper. I mean, isn't that, isn't that, that's bizarre. But then again, I'm not the only one who's suffering from writer's block because I'm sure many famous people who have written books who've written books and who have uh, written their own biographies and memoirs knew what to say but just couldn't put it down. So that's okay. That's normal. I mean, you're going to make a rough draft and then another, another, and you're going to change things around. You're going to edit things. See, I think doing the podcast is easy, but the problem with the podcast is 
Not many people are hearing it. And I'm trying to reach, quote, an international audience versus an American audience. And why do you say that? Well, because my mission and goals in life are being internationally known. They're going to be global, helping people in a particular continent um, and in other continents as well. It's not just that one particular location. But I want people to know that these missions that I have set out to do will be done. It's just a question of when. I'm hoping by next year, sometime next year. But then again, I might be wrong. Maybe it'll happen in another year. Maybe not. Maybe it'll happen maybe at the end of this year. Who knows? You know, if everything goes well. The thing that I want to let people know about me, I want you to know who I am, where I came from, what I went through in my lifetime, and how I got through it. And I got through it by the grace of God, in my belief in myself, because, again, I didn't have any friends when I was growing up. My life was depressing enough. My father saw me go through depression, and he said, why does a beautiful young woman like yourself have not one friend? No friends ever came over to the house. I never went out. Nobody ever invited me to go out anywhere. And I don't know if it was because I was shy. Maybe that's the case. I don't know. Or maybe they didn't know how to approach me. But it hurt to be left out. It hurt to be rejected. It hurt to be ignored. Now I'm getting emotional and I don't want to do that. Not now. <laughs> but I am showing you who I am. This, this is why when someone tells me in a conversation today... I still cannot believe you don't have one friend. I said, well, it's true. And I'm envious of the people who do. Because, yes, you have your family, but your family is not always around. And most of the times I think it's good to talk with a person and and just, you know, spend time with them, get to know them, you know. In other words, be a friend. Because friends do things for other friends. They listen when you're feeling down they, or they try to make you laugh or they take your mind off of whatever issue you're going on in your life, whatever crisis. I never had a true friend. The friends that I had were toxic and poison. All they wanted to do was hurt me, betray me, backstab me. When I was there for them, yeah, it was wonderful. But when, when it was my turn, when it was my turn, nobody was there for me. I was alone. I battled it out alone and it was hard. A part of me felt like I needed to give up, that I, I never wanted I never wanted to see what would have been like if I had stuck around. Now you're going to think, well, wait a minute now, but you're here. What I'm trying to say is this. When you get to be a certain age in your life, and this happened after my father passed away, because he was the one man that made me feel special, that, hey, look, if no one wants to be around you, for whatever reason, I'm going to take their place and I'm going to take you out. That's why I said a father and daughter's bond was special to me. But when he passed away, our bond broke. And he was no longer in my life anymore. And I thought, wow, I'm alone again. I don't know how to deal with it. And I did not want to accept that he was gone. I, I denied it. I denied it for the longest time. So when people would talk about their fathers that were living, I was so envious and jealous. And at the same time, I was angry. I said, how come 
they're allowed to celebrate the father's birthdays and holidays and just to spend time with them. And I don't have him here. Why isn't he here? Why did he have to leave? Why didn't he try to fight to stay in this world? Why? Now, I don't want to put any blame on him because I know that he went through a painful, painful disease. I guess cancer, again, especially that type of cancer is painful. And it was too far gone. So even if he had gotten a second opinion and gotten that treatment, I don't think he would have wanted to go on. And I think deep down inside, he did give up. He just couldn't handle it. But it hurt me because the bond that we had broke it broke. I was looking so long, so hard to find a male figure to attach to. Um, not necessarily a father, because I will always have one father, and I love him, and I will always love him, and he's always in my heart. I just wanted to be around a male presence, because when you're in a home, and you're the only woman, or at the time it was me and my mother at the time, the only women in a house that had no male, I was longing for it. And I said to myself, why can't we? Why can't we get somebody in here, you know, just to help out or just to have some, you know, not so much companionship, because again, my mother did not want to remarry. And I and, and I, I respected that. I, I don't think I would have wanted her to do that either, because I don't trust anybody. But it would have been nice to have a male presence. At least the house would have life. And we stuck it out as best as we could, but a part of me is just so, I don't know, I feel empty inside, because when people say, oh, you have no friend, don't take pity on me, I don't want pity, but I would like to think that when you, any time in your lifetime, as you get to be a certain age, or not even a certain age, you just want someone in your, a friend to talk to once in a while, to, to you know, to, to have conversation with, you know, s- someone that you can actually talk with and not be your family. Your family is great, but sometimes they're not the person you want to talk to when you're dealing with something, because you think your family cannot be level-headed. You know, their opinions, they could be too opinionated, or they might say something you may not like. When you have a friend, you at least have someone who understands you and is on your side. I've never had a friend. I never had friends. I tried so hard. I was myself. I, and and I'm, I'm not changing for anybody. If you can't accept me for me, then what's the point? I don't want to be anybody else. Now you see, now, oh, well, well, it's easy to make a friend. Why don't you go on social media and do what? plead to the world that I don't have friends and have all these wackos come out of the woodwork? No. Then you put yourself in danger because you don't know who's on the other side. There's predators and stalkers and all that. I don't want to deal with that. And I used to think that in my lifetime, after all this turmoil and tragedy, that something good would happen, and it never did. I went from one series of bad luck to another. I had my heart broken like so many times that it was hard for me to actually get back into life, into a situation, to be strong again. A part of me felt like I was so weak that I couldn't pick myself up and I had to. Why? Because if I didn't, who would? That's why I said I'm my own best friend. 
I never judged me. I never put me down. I always had an ear or, or someone to talk to because I would talk to myself and I would have conversations with myself. And I still do that from time to time, even when I'm driving. But it hurts when you can't have a good friend that you can see once in a while. Hey, you want to meet for lunch? You want to go for a walk? I don't have any of that. Am I looking for it now? No. Because I've learned to accept it. I've learned to deal with being alone. I've learned, is it lonely? Yes, it is. It is. But now I have someone in my life that I could fall back on. And I consider him not just the love of my life and my husband, but I also consider him a friend. Because you can have in your life, whoever's in your life, a loved one, can be your friend too. You go through things together. You deal with life together. You deal with situations together. You're there for each other. You're supporting each other. It's the same thing. It's the same thing, but but it's a little different. Because at the end of the day, you go home with your friend. You go home with your husband. You're together. Together. That's the difference between the person in your life, your loved one, versus a friend. The friend will not stay overnight with you unless, of course, hey, you know, uh, you know, you, you offer. But then that would be a little awkward if you have your husband in your life with you because that would be a little bit. Unless you're having a, a party, a get-together, and you don't want them to go out at late at night, and then you say, okay, you could stay over. I would do that too because I, I don't like when people come and then it's it gets very late at night and then they have to go home and they have to travel by themselves. Uh-uh, no, no, stay over leave the next day. I would have peace of mind. I, 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 that's, that's me though. That's me. So I had this conversation with him and he's just like, oh, I haven't been able to get in touch with you because you've been so busy. I said, I'm not busy anymore. I did what I had to do with, with this particular. I was sick. Yeah, last week I was battling a virus and a fever. I could have. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say the D word, but it could have been close. And you're going to say, what are you talking about? Well, I do have a lung condition. I've had it for a while now. It's not, it's not fatal, but in this day and age of virus COVID and the Delta variant, I refuse to get sick and refuse to be put in the hospital with a breathing tube down my, down my throat. I refuse because I don't want to have to live that type of a life where you're, you know, you could take all these precautions. You know, I'm vaccinated, fully vaccinated. I got the viruses, uh, in, in early March and the end of March. So I'm, but they say even the most healthiest people could get sick. And last week was most horrible for me because I was battling a virus and at the same time I was battling a fever and I believe that the job that I had someone there made me sick because again you're working in a small office with seven people and you're on top of each other there was like You couldn't escape. It's not like when you're working in a big corporate office that everybody's spaced apart. No, we didn't have our masks on, but we were fully vaccinated, but someone was sick 
because they were coughing and sneezing and then they come near you and they touch stuff and of course you're going to get sick now you can you can sanitize yourself and wash your hands and wear your mask but i still did not feel comfortable so i made the decision not to go back that was on me because i felt scared i mean every day we do our lives we go through our normal lives we have to we can't stop living. We have to take precautions because we think, well, when are we ever going to get back to normal? I hope it's soon because I'm tired of living this way. And I refuse to go through a pandemic again. Once was enough. I drove myself crazy staying in this house. And I said to myself, now I'm thinking back to the time when my mother, after she passed away, I could have sold this house. It would have been a lot easier. I can't take care of it. It's too much. This whole house is falling apart. The outside is unbearable. I can't even look at the outside. And the back was a giant, I'd let it go. We let it go to a giant jungle. And even right by the garage, right where my car is parked on either side. Weeds, they're all growing. It's like, because it rains so much. And when it rains, everything starts to grow. But I'm hoping that when it gets a little cooler, all of this stuff goes away. It's just, I can't look at it. It's making me ill. That's what I said to myself. I want my husband to be here because I want to, spend so much time with each other starting our lives over starting a fresh new chapter having that happiness because again i am not happy being here by myself i've lived with it for so long and i've gotten used to it but now i don't want to do it anymore i don't i want him here i miss him here i need him here i love him here i want him here and he knows it and we're trying to make it happen and then once once he's physically here then things will be good for the both of us because i i can't imagine not i can't sleep at night let me tell you something so at night time and i'm sure people have gone through this if you've ever lost someone in your life a parent a sibling whoever and you're in the house and you're sleeping see with me i hear noises now i do have people on either side of me and you can tell i mean you can hear the banging and this and that. Once in a while, it's quiet, though. When it gets very, very quiet, what happens is um, I hear, like, it seems like there's footsteps in the hallway. I know it's my cat. My cat makes noises, though, but his, his sounds are recognizable. But I sometimes hear creaking. I sometimes hear just noises in the hallway. Uh, and then I can't sleep. And I have demons in my sleep and thinking back to a time of where did this all come from my life became such a such a mess my life was a mess I lost my mother and I kept hearing her I kept hearing her voice and I felt her presence at one time and I'm like is I am I losing my mind I must be. And someone said to me, when you lose someone, now, if you've never lost someone, then you wouldn't understand. But for the people out there who have, and we all have lost someone. I mean, I said, I've lost so many people in my family. I can't keep track anymore. And I've also lost people around me, you know, family, friends, and neighbors, and people in between. But if you've ever gone through this, I've done it, I've experienced it twice. Once with my father, once with my mother. With my father, after we came home from the funeral, I had a massive headache and I went to lie down. 
and my mother, I heard her get up. So we have a recline, we had a recliner and I heard it still rocking back and forth as she went upstairs. So I could have sworn. Now, again, your mind plays tricks on you, makes you believe that there's something there or someone there. Because when you wake up, that, that one's not there. But I heard him get up because he was sitting in the recliner after she had gotten up for a little bit. He walked over because he had a spot on the sofa that was the father's spot. You couldn't sit on a certain part of the sofa because that was his spot. That's where he would lay down and, and watch television and all of that. I swear to you, I heard his footsteps. I, and I knew that my mother was upstairs. I think the, the phone rang and she got it from upstairs. And I heard him and I, I heard him say something to the effect of, uh, please get up. I need to, I need to, I need to, to, to sleep on the sofa or something, something like that. But he said it in Greek though, but I had an understanding of what he said. I was scared that if I opened up my eyes, I would see him. But when I didn't want to, I wanted to kind of hear his voice again to recapture what he sounded like. To reca- and he, and his, he had a, a specific cologne that he would wear. It was popular back in the 90s, I believe. And every time I, every time I would go near him, he had that wonderful, wonderful smell. And when he passed away, he still had that bottle on top of the dresser, and I would open it up, and that smell would just take me back to that time. Because my father, oh wow, you know him and the cologne. He had like specific colognes that he liked. Um, but his taste of clothing could have been improved because he was still wearing from the, you know, from the 70s into the 90s, the plaid jackets and the pants. And I'm like, oh my God. But you know what? That was his sense of style. So I'm not going to like, I'm not going to tease him about it. But he did have that 70s into the 90s going into the 90s decade, which was okay. Let's stand out a little bit different. So anyway, getting back to my, I did not want to open up my eyes. But I knew my mind was playing tricks on me. I knew it. I heard his voice. I heard his footsteps. And I was afraid if I opened up my eyes that, that that's exactly what was going to happen. I would see him. I would freak out. But I didn't. I woke up and I was like shaken. And that happened with my father. And when my mother passed away, and this, this, is, this, is what, this is what I don't get. I had another heading. I remember my, my goddaughter. She was staying with me at the time. She was getting ready to, I heard her, cause she was making a lot of fuss, going back and forth to get ready for work. I had the door halfway open and I was laying on one side of the bed. And I had a pounding headache. But I heard, my mother would, would always sleep on the left side of the bed. No, I'm sorry, on the right side of the bed. So she would, I heard her get up, I heard her put her robe on and her slippers. She came around and I was talking in my sleep and I felt like I was talking with her. And I was like, mom, I don't feel well. Mom, could you go downstairs and get me some juice? And I heard her say something. And then all of a sudden I woke up and I was like, I looked around the room and I'm like, and I wanted to stay asleep because I wanted to keep her in my dream. But after that, that was that one time after that, the dream that I kept having of her was me blaming myself for not giving her a proper goodbye. 
In other words, my father had a beautiful send-off. His death was beautiful because his family was surrounding him at that last moment. But my mother, they wouldn't even let me, they wouldn't even let me, when we took her in the ambulance, they wouldn't even let me go back there with her. They were trying to wake her up. She was incoherent. And I knew that she, her kidneys had failed because when I slept with her the night before, she didn't wake up. Usually when you, when you sleep next to my mother, if you make the slightest sound, she'll stir in her sleep. She didn't. She was still in that same position like, oh my God, I'm going to wake up and she's going to be dead next to me. I'm going to be sleeping with somebody who's dead. She was slightly dying. And it didn't caught on. I saw the stuff come out of her mouth. And she had this odor on her. And I was like, so I called my sister and I'm like, what are we going to do? Now, I should have thought to myself, you know what? Let her die in peace because put her through that that's hell right there they were they were you know fussing with her they got her in the ambulance they wouldn't let me sit back there they said oh our heart stopped because it took a long time we're sitting still sitting there waiting to decide which hospital to go to and then finally they got it back up and brought her in and I was like oh my god and then I was like I don't know what to do I'm like oh my god oh my god oh my god I was just floored because the first time the first time the, um, the one of the doctors came in and said, oh, we, we were able to restore her breathing. We're going to bring her up to intensive care. But then then some other uh, doctor came in and said we did all we could for her we can still try but in the process they broke her ribs and I and we were like just let her go nobody should have to have that type of pain just let her go and I don't think she would have wanted to live and be hooked up to a machine that's that's just too painful that's that's like permanent like slow painful death no just let her go and um she did she went but when we said goodbye to her the image I saw of her I could not get out of my head and for six months six months I slept on the sofa for six months I could not go up there to that room even though I knew that she didn't die up there her presence was still there it made me uncomfortable I was alone in this house I wanted people to stay with me nobody wanted to stay with me and I was at that point where I said I don't want to stay in this house because it's too painful there were good memories but there were also more painful memories so now I'm thinking to myself, now's the right time for him to come, can do something to this house to give it life and to sell it. Because once it comes time to sell, I want my portion and then I'm leaving. I'm sorry. I'm going where my husband is going because I promised my mother I made that vow and I'm keeping it. Wherever you go in life with your husband and whatever life you decide to make and wherever you decide to live, that's where you're going to go to with your husband because that's what married people do they stick together and it will happen but for the longest time I said to myself I can't deal with this anymore I can't deal with with this with this sadness and this loneliness and 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 feel like that there's somebody in the house with me when in all honesty I'm all by myself in this house I can't handle it I used to be happy but now it's like there is no life there's no joy there's no celebration and, and, you know, as far as family is concerned, well, you know, people in my family have their own lives to lead. We can't always be together. 
So now I say to all of you that you have to make the best of what you have. How you deal with life determines the type of person you're going to be later on. For me, it was a struggle, but I made it. I survived everything that life threw at me, and I got hurt in the process, but I picked myself up and became the woman I am. So now I can make a difference and tell you people the same thing. Don't give up. Don't let anybody stop you from pursuing your dreams. Go out there and do what you have to do. Make a difference. I'm ready to do it now. I could not do it before. I was an emotional wreck. I went through a lot in, in, in my lifetime. Then now I can say with positivity that I have a measure of happiness, that I have a measure of hope, that I have the chance to make others better. I'm not saying I'm a healer. I'm not that or a savior, but an angel, an angel of life, an angel of love, an angel of mercy, an international goodwill ambassador. I put that title to my name because again, I will make that happen somehow, somehow, but with the grace of God, because God is who you need to have on your corner. God who's guiding you through every crisis. You have that voice in your head. Go with your gut instinct, go with your voice, follow your heart, but listen to God and he will lead the way. He will show you out into the light, not to the darkness. Don't even go back into doom and and despair. Go to light and glory and happiness. And the one thing that you need to do is believe in yourself. If you would like me, I don't have friends. Okay, so what? I don't have friends. I might as well learn to accept it. But I'm hoping that will change down the line with me and my husband where we can make a life and we can have all the friends. I could be introduced to his friends and I can introduce them to my family and then hopefully everything will work out and we can have the life we leave and that's all I want. A happy life. A happy life filled with happiness and joy and love and passion and everything. It's just such a beautiful thing. Such a beautiful thing. But anyway, um, so I'm going to say a prayer for anybody who is struggling, who is going through a crisis, emotional, physical, whatever it is you're going through. And I hope to God that you, all of you find some measure of happiness, some measure of peace in your lives. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. God bless all of you. Have a great weekend. Take care.